Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Ah, the trade deadline, less than a month away. Uh, this team continues to uh, flounder right around the 500 mark, which is right where you want to be in this league. Perfectly mediocre. It's uh, It's tremendous. Let's get right into it. I have no idea what we're even going to say at this point. But I'm sure we'll come up with something. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I have no thoughts about the Flyers, so I will use this time <laughs> to, to update our audience on um, what's going on with Broad Street Hockey. So, um, looks like we are going to uh, be able to stay Broad Street Hockey. So, we are going to own BroadStreetHockey.com. We are going to be called Broad Street Hockey. You will still be able to go to BroadStreetHockey.com. Um, looks like April 1st will be our official transition into independence. So there will be more details as we get closer to April 1st. But um, yeah, happy news. Looks like we're uh, going to get to keep the very cool thing that we made. So that's pretty neat. That is neat. Uh, after I tried to buy the whole network, I guess. I guess everyone... <laughs> Everyone's trying to buy the whole network, Bill. Not yeah, just you. Well, why wouldn't you try to just yeah. buy an entire network? Sure. So, uh, I've, heard. You know, for... so, so I've, I've heard that there have been many offers to buy the network without actually explaining what buying the network entails. It entails um, not paying anyone any money, apparently. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that was my understanding in the grand tradition. Yeah, in the grand tradition of Broad Street Hockey, uh, it entailed paying no one any money. Well, that's good. And from TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, I, like, I just am so not in Flyers mode at all. Like, the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. That's kind of monopolized my thoughts for the last three to four mm. days. Um, the Flyers haven't played. They haven't even practiced. I thought I was going to be covering practice on Tuesday. And then the team was like, 
hey, no, surprise, we're leaving for Seattle early, so you're not going to do that either. And I'm not on the trip. So really, like, the Flyers have just not really been on my radar for a couple days. And it would be a better thing if it was for the fact that what has been on my radar is that the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. So not a great last few days. Well, Charlie O'Connor, representing the entire city of Philadelphia, the Flyers, not on his radar. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, I, what is left? The games are completely meaningless. The organization is in some sort of, we're going to add more people. It's, we're going to have more Zoom meetings is what I get, I take out of, uh, I, I take out of their reshuffling of the, not even front office, the corporate side of Comcast Spectacore and the Flyers. It's just, you know, we're going to have more memos. That's that's basically what it seems is going on there. Um, I do have one thing to say about the hockey, because I saw it going around uh, the last day or two with the Toronto Maple Leafs once again waving Wayne Simmons. Of course, he ended up clearing, and people wanting to bring him back. Oh, God, um, why would you want to do that to somebody you like? Uh, at this point, criminals should have to play for the Flyers. Like that, it should be a sentence that Larry Krasner has in his back pocket to fucking sentence people in Philadelphia who commit crime. You've got to go pay play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, just waste your time. It's basically like in school suspension. Like, yeah, you're here. Uh, no one cares. You're not allowed to do anything productive. Like, you just have to sit here and waste a day. I just, uh, he's what, Wayne Simmons is one of my favorite hockey players of all time. He's one of my favorite flyers the last 10 years, easily. I would not want to subject anyone I care for to this team. Uh, It's just a little thing that made me laugh over the last day or two. I guess. Never mind. I'm not going to say anything about it. It's not worth it putting actual it's, it energy really isn't. I mean, I just had, I had like, nothing else. He's not good anymore. So, yeah, also, he's terrible. So, like, yeah. he like, once was over. really good. He's still awesome because he's Wayne Simmons, but in terms of actually doing the hockey, he's not good anymore. He can still beat the shit out of people, and that's awesome. But the thing is, the Flyers already are paying Nick Delorier for four years to beat the shit out of people. And I guess when Zach McEwen comes back from injury, they will also be paying him to beat the shit out of people. So, like... Yeah, we're full up. What's the point of, of this, really? No. No point. I uh, Yeah, more fights would be fun. They've kind of fallen off in the uh, fight-a-game department, but whatever. Um, would it, would we're it gonna actually start... be fun at this point? I don't care. Uh, no, nothing's fun. Charlie's like, got is, a very li- Arby's vibe about him tonight. <laughs> I just, I, I, the team I truthfully, is just so I, pointless. I, I think that's that's what it is. I just, I don't see the point of the rest of the season. Like the the Flyers have settled into what they are, which is they yeah. are a mediocre to bad team that loses a lot of close games because they're well coached and they don't give up. But they're just not very good. And we got another two months of them just being not very good. Like, the trade deadline will be kind of interesting, but it won't be that interesting because there's no way that Chuck Fletcher is going to make a big move beyond selling his main pieces because, like, Chuck Fletcher is... Who knows if he's going to have his job in two months? Like, like why... (laughs) Even even if he were to come up with, like, a big trade, who's to say that ownership would even let him do it? 
Like, they're literally just going to spin their wheels for the next two months until the season's over, and then we'll see if anything of interest happens. That's an interesting... Now, the uh, the trade deadline is Friday, March 3rd, so it's about a month or half a month away. We're, we're getting there pretty quick. Um, it's interesting... Okay, if ownership wouldn't let Chuck Fletcher make a quote-unquote big move, not that there are many to be made, because, like... If they had good players, they wouldn't be in this position. But there's a few potential moves that would be like, oh, wow. Um, if he's not allowed to do that, which is speculation, but it's, it's, it's total worth speculation. speculating on. Yeah. Why is he the GM then? Well, we had like, that what? same we had that same conversation last week. <laughs> I know. We don't really yeah. know. It's because Comcast <laughs> is too scared to actually make a general manager move right now. So they're just going to wait. And then they're going to has out. to have a Zoom meeting. And then they're going to figure it out at the end of the year. Because that's they what have they to do. have a Zoom meeting and then a memo and then maybe an in-person meeting. And then they may might be able to make a decision. I mean, really, though, is it is it possible that they brought in a new guy to, like, do stuff because Dave no. didn't want to do stuff? No? No. No. I, I, I did some background. Well, Honestly, I would have written an article on it. But it was such a nothing burger in terms of the impact on the Flyers that it wasn't even worth it. Like basically, this guy, this guy is just a business, a Philly business mover and shaker who's going to help them to like get businessy stuff done. Like the only oh. thing I will say is that you know what? When you add another big name into the mix at the top, sometimes you know, like hey, maybe Dave Scott is chatting with him, and this new guy is like, hey, Dave. So why in the hell haven't you done anything with hockey ops because the team's bad? And then maybe that gets Dave thinking, hey, maybe my friend who I respect thinks that, like, I should do something. Maybe I'll consider doing something. But beyond <laughs> just the idea of, like, you're adding a new voice into the mix and maybe that, like, you know, is that little extra push that's needed for something to actually be done – Beyond that, like, no, this guy has really no power over the Flyers in the way that Dave Scott does. Dave Scott is still the governor of the Flyers. Dave Scott is still the chairman of Comcast Spectacor. Dave Scott is still the one who, if and when there's a decision made on the general manager, then he'll be the one who makes it. It's not going to be the new guy. It's just going to be Dave. And Dave clearly hasn't seen enough yet to do cool. anything even Dave I, I think this is like this is the thing that frustrates me the most is like they're just playing out the string like if Dave Scott were to get up in front of the public and say Chuck Fletcher's my guy I'm sticking with him like I think that's wrong but at least it would be something I mean we've said it all along telling me you have a plan would go a long way even if it's a bad plan like there's clearly no plan, and there I mean, has the been. I said at the beginning yeah. of the year, the point of this season is to fill out the other team's schedule. Yeah, it is. Like, it, this it season is. has no point other than the other teams have to play a certain amount of games. And That's and, it. And, and the thing is, they're going to say that, no, the point of the season is to get tougher to play against and to rebuild the culture, and that's great, and that might be happening. But the problem is, is that because of the decisions that were made to prioritize rebuilding the culture and getting tougher to play against, you've limited the ceiling of this team because the best they're going to become by using this strategy is the Columbus Blue Jackets of the mid-2010s. Like, that, that's where And, we're like, at. how much cultural carryover can there really be 
when none of these guys are going to be here when the team is good. Like, Scott Lawton will be the 30-year-old vet hanging out, and Travis Sanheim will be here because he is a fucking 100-year contract, <laughs> and every, like and 18 new guys. Like, Carter Hart, who's the goalie, goalies don't factor in because they're not barely human beings. Like, <laughs> who even matters? I Anyway, so Travis Konechny is a guy who may or may not be here, uh, next year, I highly doubt he'll get traded at the deadline yeah. because that would take like some balls, and yeah. you know, who's no going to pull that trigger? Uh, but he is in a bit of a slump here, as uh, Charlie points out. No goals since his hat trick on January 11th. Today is Wednesday, February 15th. So over a month without scoring, there was the you know uh, all star break in there. Still, decent number of games he hasn't scored in. Three total points in his last 13 games. He doesn't have any in his last eight. Um, this is kind of the other shoe dropping with TK. Like, we talked about the pace he was on early, the scoring, the points. And it's like, yeah, there was going to be a slump. And that's why he's not a superstar. Like, yeah, this is, he's not a 90-100 point guy He's a 70 to maybe a point a game player, but he is not that. He's not what he was showing early, and a slump like this was bound to happen. And I think that it's happening now. It should wake everyone up to the idea that trading him is smart, because he's not a he's not a centerpiece. Yeah, but that's absolutely that's I mean... absolutely the case. Yes, but we're talking about a front office that's apparently having, like, a little bit of consternation about possibly trading Nick Sealer, so... Oh, well, we'll get to Nick Sealer, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't you worry. <laughs> that's, I mean... Talking about cornerstones. While, Let's talk about Nick while, Sealer, while, while you say that, Kelly, would it shock you to find out they valued Nick Sealer more than Travis Konechny. Like, Absolutely if they had not. to make the choice, like, they have to keep one, and they have to trade the other. They'd be like, I don't know, I think Sealer fits the culture. The culture, like, it's all Would about that the shock culture. you? No. Would that all shock you in the, the least culture. bit? No. In fact, that's what I assume is the case. <laughs> like, yes. that's the reality. And there's also, in, like... There's also the idea of what are you actually going to get for Nick Sealer? He's cheap. A He's a sixth, seventh defenseman. Like, is it? Are you going to get something that's more valuable than Nick Sealer? Like, is a seventh round pick, you know, is a fifth round pick more valuable than Nick Sealer? Well, I suppose you could throw it in a trade yeah. to get better down the I, line. Yeah, I mean, but is like, it, is it is it more valuable? I don't know. Like, what value is Nick Sealer? I guess that that's uh, my he's, that's my thing. Like, if, like, yes, he's valuable in the sense that like he's having a pretty good year, and he guess he helps you win games this year or helps you not lose as many. But again, what are we actually doing here? What does it matter if Nick Sealer helps you win thirty six games instead of thirty five? Why does it matter? <laughs> I feel like giving him like in baseball terms a war of one is, like, fucking incredible for him. <laughs> he's having a good year. He's been he's, decent. No, but he's, like, a, he's deep. Right. And that's, I guess that's more along the, like, I would trade him, and I would trade him for anything. But I guess I get the idea of, 
we have a guy who appears to be an NHL player, and the return for him will in all likelihood be less than an NHL player. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't trade him for like a seventh-round pick just to trade it. But if you can get a mid-round pick for him, sure. Why not? Like, why not? Again, and this goes back to something I've been saying for weeks, months, maybe a year, is that you have to, when you're looking at these players, you have to be looking at them as, can they be part of the next good Flyers team? And like, if we're unsure that Travis Konechny can be part of the next good Flyers team, I got news for you. Nick Sealer ain't going to be part of the next good Flyers team. No, it ain't happening. It's, it's a great point. Like, it, it all gets back to the question, what the fuck is the point? Back to Konechny. Does this slump, like, I guess if you thought he was actually going to be traded, this slump would be concerning. But, at least in terms of the upcoming deadline in a couple of weeks, I don't see that happening. So is it just, yeah, he's having the slump that's going to return his numbers to what they should be, and he'll be what we think he is for the rest of the year, or is it more than that? No, I mean, I think there's a that. couple... Yeah, go Come ahead, on, Charles. No, go ahead. Okay. I just think there's a couple things at play here. I mean, number one, if you look at the, the offense that the Flyers have produced so far this month since the... Uh, since the trade death, or since the All-Star break, like, one goal against the Islanders, two goals against Edmonton, and I believe that was a shootout, so it was actually just one goal. One, um, yeah. And then one goal against Nashville. Then, holy shit, offensive explosion, three goals against the Kraken. One of those was a Patrick Brown shorthanded goal, which was a total friggin' fluke. I mean, what this is reminding us is <laughs> I don't know, it's pretty greasy, Charles. Travis Konechny is the best forward on this team. With Sean Couturier not playing, he is the best forward on this team. When Travis Konechny is not scoring, which he is not, the Flyers can't score goals. And even when he is scoring, they don't score a ton of goals. They just are like an okay, passable NHL offense. No, they score like just under three a game, and it's like, all right, it's not horrible. It's it's 20th instead of 32nd. Yeah. And if Travis if Travis Konechny is that important to your offense, again, what are we actually doing here? Like, Travis Konechny is not that guy. He is not, as you said, a superstar. And this, as you also said, should serve as a reminder. Because, look, the fact of the matter is, is that I evaluated it in, in mid-January when he was right at the peak of this. Like, yes, Konechny is good. No, he's not a star. However, you never know. You know what? Like, had he build off the off where he was when he got that hat trick, which is kind of like the like you know the apex of Travis Konechny's season, and then would have you know pumped in another six goals before the end of January and came out firing at the after the All Star break. Like yeah, you know what? Like that's one of the cool things about hockey is that your your opinion on, on a player can change based on what he does over a larger and larger sample size. Like look at Tage Thompson. For a long time, I was like, this Tage Thompson thing is probably just a fluke. Well, guess what? He's done it for long enough where it ain't no fluke. He's just real friggin' good. Well, what happened to Travis Konechny was that it appears that that scoring pace, the, like, almost pacing for 100 points scoring pace, 50-goal scoring pace, that's not Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny is, as you said, probably like a 70-point guy who can probably crack 30 goals, who's a real, real nice piece in his prime as the third to fifth best forward on a really good team. The problem is, is that 
where are these other forwards that are going to push him down to his spot to where he can be the third to fifth best forward on the Flyers. I don't see where they're coming from, nor do I see any semblance of an actual plan beyond blind hope of this team getting them. Why aren't they losing more? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Because they're well, too that's, good to that's lose. a great question. They're too good they to are, lose that much. That's, uh, yes, and they are right now 22, 23, and 10, so just a game under hockey 500. Um, third worst in the East. They're eighth from the bottom overall by points percentage. Their upcoming schedule, though, their next, like, 15 or so games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's, like, a couple Detroits and Montreal and Vancouver in there, but overall... Pretty tough schedule coming up. This could be like, uh, like we just said, Travis Konecki going through the slump that turns his numbers into what they really are. They could go through a slide that's kind of already started that returns them to what we thought they were at the beginning, or what we hoped they were at the beginning of the season, which was a bottom five team. Uh, Now, stiff competition for that bottom five. I mean, holy shit, are there some horrible teams in this league? How is Columbus this bad? Oh my God! Uh, but in fairness, everyone did get hurt on that team. That has yeah. Been. No, they're. I mean, they're missing a bunch of guys. Their goaltending is dog shit. It's. The, I actually know the answer to the question. It's just <laughs> like you know, a team that goes out and gets Johnny Goudreau in the offseason, You'd think had some semblance of something, and they're the worst team in hockey, which is hilarious. Um, didn't fit our timeline though. But, like, 10 or 11 of the next 15 are against playoff teams. All but, like, three are against teams I think are way better than the Flyers. Could you see, by the end of March, this team being in the bottom five or six? I mean, I hope so, but they keep squeaking out these goddamn loser points. That has been a thing. But the ten, I, I mean, that's been a thing for over a decade. Yeah, but like it's it's yeah. going to continue to be a thing given <laughs> yeah. the way they play, which is a slow yeah. it down, grind it out style, which is the way John Tortorella wants them to play, because it's what you have to do if you're a team that lacks talent. And John Tortorella is a smart enough coach to know that hey, if we want to like have a chance to win games against teams that are way better than us, we have to slow it the hell down and hope we can get a good bounce, you know, late in the third period or in overtime or in a shootout or whatever. That's our best move. So even when they're losing, they're picking up points. Are they going to end up in the bottom five? I mean, I think they're going to drop off. Like, Montreal and Vancouver, I could see passing them. But beyond those two, like, the Blue Jackets, there's no chance. The Blackhawks are going to probably trade away at least Kane, maybe Taves, like maybe both of yeah. them. So they're only going to get worse. The Ducks are a disaster. Somehow the Ducks Ooh. aren't. The worst team, despite the fact that they've kept the coach who can't coach so they can lose games. Purposefully. They're not catching them. The Coyotes are the Coyotes, and they're going to trade away. They're they're clearly about to trade away Chikrin. 
Ghost was yeah. practicing today, so he's probably getting traded before the deadline. So they're going to get a lot worse. And then the Sharks might trade Carlson, which they should do because, I mean, as much as I like Eric Carlson, Carlson and I'd love to see him on the Oilers because that'd be super fun as a hockey fan. The it fact of the matter is, is that that contract has been a massive albatross every year before this one. If they have a chance to get out from under that, given the situation they're in, they need to get out from under that, given the situation that they're in. Like, they can't get greedy. Like, get the Oilers to take that contract on and do what you got to yeah. do to do it and maybe get a first-round pick back too. Like, the Flyers are not going to catch these teams because they're too far ahead and all these teams are going to get worse. And the Flyers so, will not get worse because they will not do a goddamn thing at the trade deadline. Well, that's like, also, even the players they're thinking about trading, like, yeah, the Flyers will be worse on paper without JVR. But does JVR contribute to wins and losses, or does he just chip in a goal here and there? Like, yes, on a good team, he can score you 30 goals because you have, like, a center who can get the puck in the offensive zone. And then you have way more opportunities to you know, bounce one off of his ass. Or, like, that's just not what the Flyers do. So he's not actually contributing to, to act playing better hockey. He's he's nothing here. Nick Sealer. Let me ask about Nick Sealer. So the report comes out that they need to, like, be blown away to trade Nick Sealer, which is funny to think. It's, but, it's honestly real funny. It's, it, it's hilarious. Yes. But is it actually, like, if teams are calling about him, is it not a decent negotiation tactic to be like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it, no, it is a decent negotiation tactic. I mean, the if Flyers, they trade. The, the Flyers should not be giving these guys away. They should be trying to get as much <laughs> as they can. However, like, then you got to do it. And you have to have a general manager who's capable of extracting a maximum value. And, like, has Chuck shown he can do that? No, and that's the other thing. Like, if we had a good general manager, I would think maybe they were just doing some kind of, like, playing chestnut checkers and trying to get someone to overpay for Nick Sealer. But, no, they're actually saying, we don't want to trade Nick Sealer. We so like him really a lot. Gonna... We think he's part, we think exactly. he's part of something. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're no, actually like, saying it would be... that you would have to overpay for Nick Sealer because we really, really want to keep him, is what they're saying. Yeah, that's, I guess, so we, we've done, we've gone through this before, but, so Sealer, maybe, it uh, looks like teams are calling about him, you know, JVR, he's the obvious one, yeah. someone will give you something for 50% of his contract for, you know, the rest of this season in the playoffs, hopefully. Outside of that, like, I guess they could trade Tony, but, like, they're outwardly saying he's fucking horrible at defense. So, like, can't imagine that's helping his value a whole lot with another year at five million left. Um, doesn't, can't imagine they trade TK or Provorov during the season. Seems like if it's going to happen, it's a, it's an offseason move. There were Hayes rumors. They're a bad team. What? I mean, What's I, that? I think Hayes, Hayes is out rumors? there. Yeah. I, I've said that if there's a big name that's going to get traded at the deadline from the Flyers, it's going to be Hayes. I don't. I wouldn't put money that he's going to be traded, but he to me is the most likely. I think his name is out there, but then, <laughs> so but, that, like, that, but that that leads me. The thing with the Hayes thing is that yeah, yeah, trading Kevin Hayes, while I actually think is the right move, like that's a move that has implications for the next three years, 
And then it's like, well, if that's a move that you want to do, do you really want Chuck Fletcher doing it if they're not sure if he's even going to be around by the time the offseason? You know what I mean? So it's like, like, yeah, Hayes should probably get moved if you can move him, but like, is this who you want moving him? It just, I mean, I all of this just strikes me as so pointless. Yeah. That's, and that's like the spinning the wheels. Like these things should happen. They should have already happened. It should have been the plan coming in, but there's no plan. And the guy who's in charge of those decisions, at least right now, outwardly, is the worst possible dude to be making those decisions. Well, well, to, to me, I just, the, like, the, the idea the, that it's, okay, Hayes, if there is a big move, it's Hayes, but I doubt it's actually going to happen. Konechny, Provorov, those seems like off-season moves if they happen. So, like, a team that's bad and going nowhere, the deadline is approaching, and they don't even have assets to sell. Like, there's nothing, like, they're sitting here begging at the side of the road, like, can you, can someone please take a JVR from us? Like, that's, that's it. Like, yeah. J- yeah. the ghost of JVR is all we have to give. Yeah. To me, the truly funny part about this is that, like, a, a completely reasonable question that fans have is, like, if, if ownership is kicking around the idea, legitimately kicking it around, and I do believe they are, of, like, Chuck isn't the guy we might need to make a make a change at the end of the season. Then the question, understandably, is, well, then why the hell is he running the deadline? And I almost wonder if what's going on here, which is funny on a lot of levels, is that, look, it's really not that difficult to sell off your rentals. Like, you just take all the offers, you try, you hope a bidding more pops up, and then you trade the guy for the highest offer that's out there. It's not that difficult. It doesn't take that much creativity. Like, honestly, like, one of us could do that. Yeah, it might be a little harder because we don't know the other GMs, but, like, it's not that difficult. You have an asset that people want. If they really want it, they're going to call. That's how it goes. Where you run into a potential issue with having a lame duck general manager making moves is if... They're trying to do creative moves like trading Kevin Hayes and retaining salary. Well, we don't have to worry or, about that. Or, or you know, selling high on Konechny or trying to find Ivan Prover off a new home or whatever. The thing is, is that I almost wonder if ownership is looking at it as like, well, Chuck will never do those moves anyway because he doesn't have the creativity to do it. So we can afford to wait until the offseason because we don't have to worry that he's going to do something crazy because when has he ever done anything crazy at the deadline? But again, this speaks to the thing of like, well, then why is he still here? Charlie, I, I have a, you know, you, you talk like, okay, well, if, if management, if ownership is thinking, do you actually think any of them above Chuck are thinking about the Flyers. Yes, that's, I absolutely yes. think like, so. Yeah. Not, not the business, the Flyers. Not like, okay, who's going to be on a fucking bus bench? Like, uh, not what promotions are we going to run to try to get some season ticket sales for next year? But the actual hockey ops. Do you think there's somebody above, above Chuck Fletcher that thinks about that on a day-to-day basis? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and they show that they care. Who is he, and they what is he doing? Sh- they show that they care by doing this whole fucking letter thing from Torts and shit like that. Like, they do give and enough of a shit. And it came from a guy below him. Yes, but 
Bill, the last thing I feel like doing is screaming bloody murder you again, but, like, it's very fucking clear that all of that shit was driven by and approved by the people above Chuck Fletcher. It wouldn't have Or they just rubber-stamped it because they don't give a fuck. No. No, nah. that's not something that, like, John Tortorella is going to be like, I want to send out a letter. And they're like, yeah, John, go ahead. No, that went way, way beyond just John Tortorella wanting to send a letter out to season oh, ticket holders. I think, a, like, a salesperson said it might be a good idea. I don't know if anyone making any decisions thinks that because they've done nothing to show it otherwise. They've no, done I, nothing no. for years. For years. They've done nothing. Like, this isn't crazy Bill with a conspiracy. If somebody was going to do something, they fucking would have. Like, that, that's that's not out of the... Wh why, how come nothing is ever done? How come we're looking at the same mediocre team we were last year? Uh, like, well, I th I think oh, they hired a coach. Truthfully, what the answer is, Bill, this is what the answer is. The answer is, is that hockey ops wants their autonomy. They want to do what they want. And they are telling ownership... Don't worry, we got this. We got smart people running the show. We got the right people. And ownership, honestly, for lack of a better term, is too scared to call them on their bullshit. So we're in this stasis. So they That's don't give a on. shit. They're, they do they're give listening a shit, to nonsense. No. It's easier for they're them to hope. Job. That's different. It's easier for them to hope that this problem solves itself than to actually do something about it. That's what's going on. And they're just hoping that against tells hope me that it they're not itself. that concerned. No, they don't know. <laughs> they know the team's bad. They have like NHL.com, right? They have the internet. Yeah. They're Comcast. I would assume they have the internet. The way, yes, Bill, the way you're positioning this is as if basically like they're a bunch of ostriches with their heads under the sand. Like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. That's not what's going on. Like, they do care it's just that oh they, they keep, see it and they're like whatever they keep hoping that all these hockey people that they want to be friends with are right in telling them that actually things aren't as bad as they actually are but since yeah. that's clearly since that's clearly nonsense like that means they're fucking stupid like that's th that means you're calling them imbeciles well that's what like goes that, back to what kelly these these are these are people yeah. who are uneducated like, well, they, they can't read and write. No, they don't know the sport. How to tie their shoes. Well enough to, to not have the dudes that they're buddies with not be able to convince them that they could turn it around. And then every time, and then there's also the issue where every time it starts to look like it's getting bad enough that they can no longer talk themselves out of it, the idiot flyers win a couple of games or <laughs> or things are going well and then someone gets hurt and then the team shit for a month and a half but we can blame it on something because there was an injury like there's always something that can explain it away and the problem is dave scott isn't a hockey guy he doesn't know that these guys are blowing smoke up his ass like clearly and but, like, he knows a, like, this is going to be three straight years out of the playoffs, and that's bad, right? He knows that's, like, bad. One assumes. But th but then again, then it comes back to, like, someone is in his office going, well, you know, Sean Couturier, Ryan Ellis, meh, meh, meh. Like, they're, they're making excuses. They're going to, you know, they're saying things like, well, look how much better this team was than anybody thought they were going to be. Like, it's... It, it, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it's good. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I, I mean, don't get it twisted. They're the like, third this is worst very, team very in the bad. conference. But... Like, this, it's very easy to see how 
a bunch of like super cool hockey guys that Dave Scott wants to be friends with are able to convince him that they can turn this thing around. Is that good? No, but it's it's different than not caring is my point. Yeah, I, I, I just don't Kelly. like if you actually cared, you'd go three years out of the playoffs is bad and we need to do something about that. If you're just like, oh, my boys got it. That means no, you're not invested. No. For, OK, let's say you're Dave Scott, Bill, and Frankie is Chuck Fletcher. Frankie's running the hockey team for you and the team looks like shit. But Frank comes to your office every day and is like, you know what? I got it. Trust me. I got it. I got it. I got it. And you're like, ah, and all right. Do you know what happened when Frankie and I were in business together? We ran one into the ground. And it took, surprisingly, three years. So here, like... <laughs> well, but but there, there's, actually, there's actually another factor here, too, Bill, that I do think you're kind of brushing over, is that a lot of, like, a lot of the stasis that this organization is in now is from people who have been with the organization for decades, who have played for the organization, who are institutions with this organization. And I think there might be, at the very least, there might be an understanding on the part of ownership that if we really want to break this stasis, we're really going to have to clean house. But there's a fear that if you do that, then mm -hmm. they're going to get all the shit that they got two, three years ago when it was like, you're not living up to the Flyers culture and how dare you, you're corporate shills that don't remember what it really means to be a Flyer. So like they decided like, all right, we need to really do this whole, like we can't forget about what the Flyers are so we can't fire everybody. So let's just hope to God they figure this shit out. And then Whenever it gets almost that's great. Bad they're enough, gonna they're gonna have a last place team playing in an empty building in like yes, two years. Great, yes, it's possible. But I'm just saying that's an element of this. Where like, so they don't care. What needs to happen is they need to clean house, but they don't want to deal with the like, oh God, you like told Bob Clark he can't come into the fucking house anymore, which is like probably what they should do, but they don't yeah. want to because it will look real bad. Losing all the time looks real bad. Yes, it does. Like, they're going to lose all their customers regardless, so do something. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, so dude. they don't actually care. Like, like they'd rather... You keep going they'd back rather they keep, don't actually care. They'd rather keep everyone happy and the status quo... Yes, that is true. ...than win. Yes. So they don't care. They don't but care it, about winning. But, but my point is, is that... To them, it's not like it's not an either or. It's not keep a status quo and never win. It's keep a status quo and hope these people who keep swearing up and down are actually good at what they do start winning. Now you've decided How do you not know they're you, not. You've decided they can't. I think they probably can't. But what I'm saying is that ownership has not decided they absolutely can't. Then they're inept. They're the and most inept people on this planet. Yes. Like, if you can't see that the people who make decisions about this hockey team don't know what the fuck they're doing, then I don't know how you find the building in the morning. I don't know how you get to work if you've come to, if you haven't been able to come to that conclusion yet. Like, you shouldn't have a driver's license. You shouldn't be able to make decisions about, like, what to eat for breakfast if you haven't fucking figured out that the hockey ops people in this organization are dumb as shit when it comes to hockey decisions.
Yeah, I mean, well, I mean I, if you go if you go by the Ivan Perovara Pride Night thing, it's not just hockey decisions they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of hilarious decisions, uh, Charlie wrote just just a tremendous piece. Uh, it was so good. I was for the athletic about about Tony D'Angelo, and it's not really about Tony D'Angelo. It's about the decision making that went into going and getting him, and how. Everybody. And, like, listen, the three of us, I think, know a decent amount about hockey, but we're not um, front office experts by any... You know, we're we're not the decision makers. No. No one entrusts us with that sort of power. Uh, Every single one of us knew, though, that Tony D'Angelo didn't play any defense. Like, that's why he's utilized the way he was utilized. In Carolina, we're, we're going to put him with a guy who does play defense. Also, it's a yeah. team that is never fucking on defense. They they get like 40 shots a game and give up like 10 fewer than that. Um, there's no defense to be played. The Flyers thought, oh, he must be good at it, or at least not this bad. And it turns out he's dreadful. Like, again. How did they not see what everyone already else knew? Like, there's a place, like, you had to, the idea that Chuck Fletcher is the same guy that literally had to give away Shane Gostas Bear for nothing and then went out and acquired new Shane Gostas Bear for $10 million and other assets? Uh, how? How did they come to this conclusion? What did they watch? Did they watch any film? Did they, like, study him at all? Did they ask a former coach? Like, what? what's the process that they use to go about giving somebody a check for $10 million? You know, that's a really good question, actually, now that you put it that way. It, <laughs> so I, here's... Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Charles. Here, here's the thing about the D'Angelo Gosses bear. Like comparison and i know people on twitter ghost is better at defense they love to throw this out there and i get it it's an infuriating thing what a lot of people on twitter don't understand is that particularly in traditional hockey men's circles tony d'angelo's defense tony d'angelo is viewed as a much more effective defensive player than shane gosses bear even though the numbers either have them about equally shitty or ghost to be a bit better. But if you talk to hockey men, they will swear up and down that D'Angelo is much better than ghost. And this is the reason why, because Shane Gosses bear is bad at defense in the ways that really piss off hockey people. He's not yeah. physical. He shies away from contact. He's allergic to the front of the net. He is bad at defense in terms of like effort and just being small. What Tony, it looks like. Yeah. Tony D'Angelo. He's aesthetically bad. Yes. Tony D'Angelo is really bad at defense, but he's bad at defense in the ways that are acceptable to hockey people because he's so fucking competitive. He'll go into the corners and he'll battle and he's physical and he'll lay a hit and they love his fiery attitude. The problem is, is that his defensive instincts are shit and he puts himself out of position all the time. But the feeling is that D'Angelo, I think this is really what it boils down to. Ghost can't be fixed defensively because he's just bad defensively and has no interest in improving. Whereas they look at D'Angelo and they say, 
yeah, you know, he might not be great in coverage and he might lose himself sometimes, but like, I can work with his attitude because he cares so goddamn much. And the thing is, after like, he gives up the scoring chance, he'll punch you. Exactly. Like, that's exactly. The and difference. like, like functionally, it makes no difference. But D'Angelo's way of being bad at defense is much more acceptable to hockey people. So they're more like I'm. I was shocked when I started doing research after the D'Angelo signing. How many traditional hockey people love this guy? Like usually, uh, traditional hockey men hate offensive defense. Hate them. They think they are like the scum of the earth. They shouldn't exist. If you're not six foot four and hit all hit like crazy, you're not an actual defenseman. A lot of traditional hockey people love D'Angelo because he's got that hockey man attitude. And the thing is that it blinds them to the fact that he's just as bad, if not worse, at functional defense as Shane Gossesbear, which is how they got put in this whole situation in the first place. And you know who did know? And it's Eric Everyone else. The Carolina (laughs) front office that's actually forward thinking and puts together a good hockey team. They knew. Yes. That to me was, and I think that that was like the kicker of my story that a lot of people were like, that's an amazing line. To me, there's got to be some self-awareness here on the part of the Flyers front office. And clearly there wasn't with D'Angelo. Because if the Carolina Hurricanes, who had the third best record in hockey last year, and used this guy on their first pair, watched him every night, saw the best version of him, really, he was in the ideal usage. And they were like, yeah, Tony wants $5 million. We don't think he's worth that. So Tony's agent, go find another team who thinks you're worth that. And if you're the Flyers and you're looking at mm-hmm. it and Tony's agent tells you, hey, do you want to, or you think my guy's worth $5 mil because the Carolina Hurricanes don't, you would think there would be some self-awareness here. Even if your initial evaluation is yes, Tony D'Angelo is worth $5 million. Take a step back and be like, wait a minute. Carolina is better than us at our jobs. If Hmm. they think he's not worth five mil, and we do, it's probably not them that are wrong. It's probably us. Oh, well, there's clearly no self-awareness on the part of anyone in this front office. Like, let's be real. There's, like, if he was even worse defensively than he is, his from here percentage is still 100. They would have done, like, it has nothing to do with what he is as a hockey player. Like, that's the thing. They wanted to go get a dude from Washington Township. Like, oh, his name ends in a vowel? Huh, culture, baby. Like, everyone in South Philly will love it. Like, that's their fucking thinking. Also, no offense, Charlie, that wasn't the best part of that article. The best part of that article was the part about Limp Bizkit. Oh, the so. Limp Bizkit reference? Okay, yeah. gotcha. I mean, I was proud of that one, too. But consider new metal. I guess it's just, it's, it's still mind-boggling to me that, like, of course if there's a difference of opinion on a player between the Carolina Hurricanes front office and the Philadelphia Flyers front office, like, of course the Hurricanes were going to be right. Like, no yeah. fucking shit. They replaced him with Brent Burns, who looks like Brent Burns again. Like, yeah. you know what Tony D'Angelo looks like? Shane Goss despair. Like, it, it's it's it, it's truly fucking hilarious. The direction. There's no way out of this hole. Like, they, like, <laughs> there's no light at the end of this tunnel. I, I mean, Bill, the, here's the thing. 
if if a front office as currently constructed, if their solutions to fixing this defense in three consecutive off seasons were <sighs> Eric Gustafson, Rasus Ristolainen, Tony D'Angelo, they are incapable of constructing a defense. At least Take- a modern defense. And like I'll, I'll I'll throw them Ryan Ellis. That wasn't a bad trade. Shit went down. Sure, that might have worked. They were just bad. No, not Charlie. Charlie, just the way you said, hey. If Carolina thinks something and we think the opposite, we're wrong. We should know that. Nashville is the garden in which half of the league's good defensemen are grown. If they're moving on from a guy for two pieces of fucking garbage, you should ask why. I mean, that's fair. You should ask why. I I will say. For a seventh defenseman and a dude whose brain doesn't work. Okay, in fairness... You're, you are spinning that a little bit too far because they did think highly of Phil Myers. They found out very quickly he stunk, but they did think highly of him when they made that trade, and they didn't view Nolan Patrick as Nolan Patrick. They viewed Nolan Patrick as a way to quickly get Cody Glass, who they actually yes. liked. Okay. So, like, it wasn't as if they were literally trading him for trash. However, you do make a fair point in that I'm sure one of the driving forces behind wanting to trade Ryan Ellis was... It wasn't that they secretly knew he couldn't skate and they were trying to get rid of him before everyone else found out. But it absolutely was in part because they looked at that contract they signed to him and they were like, that could get scary. Let's try the to get out of The accumulation of injuries is already a lot and he's yeah. like 30. Yeah. He's not 36. Yeah. Like the accumulation of injuries, what's he going to look like in a year or two? And then yeah. it turns out, what's he going to look like in a month or two was <laughs> right. the actual question. Uh, it, it, it's just... The self-awareness, I think, is the uh, is one of the bigger issues yeah, here. It's a real problem. Um, the D'Angelo thing is just like, and I made this clear in my article, I don't blame Tony D'Angelo for being no. Tony D'Angelo. Like, it's not his fault that he's not a good defensive defenseman. We all knew this. Everyone apparently except for the Flyers who, like, yeah, they knew he wasn't great defensively. I went back and I found the Chuck Fletcher quotes being like, yeah, we know he's not the best defensively. But they clearly thought he was better defensively than he is. And my point Mm -hmm. is that all you had to do was look at public data and you would have known that he really was that bad defensively. And also, while he's a good puck-moving defenseman, obviously, like, the best that they have... He's not a Norris-level offensive contributor. Like, he's not that. He's not a guy who changes the dynamic of your team. He's good. Yeah. But he's all, like, he's all right. He's, no, he's not, not fucking McCarr. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's not McCarr. He's not what Eric Carlson even is now with his ankles, like his bionic ankles, bionic uh, ankles. Seem, seem to be working all of a sudden, and the dude's going to win a Norris trophy. Like, it, it, he's not one of those guys offensively, even at his best. He's just pretty good. Uh, and, um, you know, $5 million isn't 10 a year. I know this, but it's like that trade-off. Oh, okay, if his offense is that great, like, um, who's the dude with the caps back in the day who scored 30 goals? Was it Mike Green? Mike Green, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, if we're getting the 30 goals, we can deal with him, like, never playing any defense. Yeah. However, he's not that. And it's just, like, this... They're just a very frustrating team. Well, it's, it, and this is another point I didn't really get a chance to make in the article. 
And I, I honestly, I don't really feel like relitigating this player again because we've done more than enough of that. But like, by acquiring Tony D'Angelo, they either a thought Tony D'Angelo was much better at defense than he actually was, or b they thought Ivan Provorov was way better at defense than he actually was. Because That's they a great thought, point. Because they thought Provorov could be the Jacob Slavin. To, yes. to to D'Angelo in Carolina, when in reality, all you had to do was watch the two players, and you'd know that even peak Ivan Provorov, his best years, he ain't Jacob Slavin. Jacob Slavin is fucking awesome. Ivan Provorov is fine. There was Sounds like a whole lot of, of just fine. You know, a whole lot of just fine. Uh, and it, that gets to the to the core of the problem. No great players. And no path to get them. Uh, do we have anything else? No, but um, next week. I mean, I'm... next week we're doing a mailbag because we can't do another show like this. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it's just it's bad for our health. It's it's not good for our mental health to to talk about this team uh, no. as much as we do. Uh, but we're gonna keep doing it. Mailbag is a great idea. Send your questions to at Hinks. Uh, she'll oh, accumulate them all. <laughs> <laughs> you said it first. Yeah, you you took that one, Kelly. This uh, is like uh, this is like the fl- this is like the Eagles in the city. Neither side wanted to approach each other about the parade because whoever picked up the phone first had to call. You made the call, so uh, <laughs> you have to get the questions. Uh, all right. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think so. It's a short, shorter right. than usual episode, but like they haven't played in a while and whatever. The team's pointless. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Like Kelly just told you, it's happening. We're going to still be Broad Street Hockey. We're going to have our feed, all of our shit. So uh, hit subscribe, and you'll continue to be able to have all this great content like BSH Radio, Flyperbole, etc. All right, my name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, have a great week, everybody. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.